Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a little bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burnt Orange Nation. We thank you again for listening in and checking out all the content on the site. You can find more Texas Longhorns content at www.burntorangenation.com. We really appreciate you listening into the podcast again this week. If you like what we do, it would mean a lot if you would leave us a rating or a review on iTunes. It helps a ton with visibility. Share this with a friend that you know loves Texas Longhorns as much as you, Kyle, and myself do. Well, my name is Gerald Goodridge, and I am joined this week as I am every week. By the illest, the realest, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you doing this week? I'm doing excellent. Um, it is currently somewhere around the 9 p.m. region, and OU still um, sucks. So uh, all things in the world are right, and uh, I'm doing well. So it is OU hate week, so we will hit some OU hate later on in the show. But let's start with a little bit of recap of a, of a shocker, a thriller uh, at the hands of the Kansas State Wildcats. So Texas came out, and it wasn't what everybody thought it was going to be. There were a couple of schools that thought that Texas was going to jump out and lead or that Kansas State was going to absolutely dominate. It turned into a very back-and-forth battle, and Texas came out on top, 40-34 to in double overtime. So, Kyle, it started off kind of rocky for the offense. It, the defense played as well as it normally does, and then the offense started to pick up and find its way toward the end of the game. So what do you think the secret of the success was for this offensive unit? Well, I think uh, I think we have to start at the top. I think our quarterback, uh, Ellinger, was, um, and I say our quarterback, I, I, I think we might have a discussion about this, but uh, that's the guy who's looked the best so far this season. But uh, Sam looked looked like a gamer. Um, he came out and, and you know started the game with a really ugly duckling of a throw uh they got picked off and then after that um played a you know a heck of a game um i believe it's the the third time in school history uh that a quarterback has uh had 300 yards through the air and 100 on the ground which is uh incredible um and also incredible that vince young got close but never actually completed that exact stat but um but yeah uh the kid looked good um we had some things that clicked some things that uh, could have maybe been a little better, but all in all, you, you walk away from this feeling uh, feeling really, really good um, about where that offense got to, um, especially in the first quarter and, and in overtime in the second half. They had their struggles, but um, I still like it. I still like growth and progression. And, and my big shout-out uh, this week that I really I want to shine the light on and I hope everyone everywhere is doing is the O-line. We've been saying for – for weeks we've been sitting here ragging and saying you know they need to do better even when we um had our all-american captain when we had connor um the line needed to be better they needed to do more um and and credit to to coach warheim i mean they 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 looked like they'd done some work this week they looked like they'd been working on some things they looked like they were um executing like they were sticking to the basics and just just going out and playing football um the uh, the freshman uh, Kerstetter uh, looks great. Like I legitimately think that kid has has maybe Connor Williams potential, but that guy's got um, legitimate all conference you know potential uh, from what we've seen so far. And to keep building on that as a true freshman out of uh, San Antonio Reagan um, Cooney who or uh, Cooney who, who a lot of people who you know had mixed thoughts on him in the spring. 
um, and, and through the early part of the season, I uh, was battling the injury and no one really knew what he was. Um, he's looked really good in Okafor, um, who was down a little bit, kind of forced into playing, is starting to get things going and actually looking like he could be a competent lineman. Um, that's really reassuring heading into Big 12 play because uh, we're going to need them uh, on the pass. We're our strongest unit, I believe. Um, I believe they said it in uh, in his presser. Herman said it uh, today that uh, that the strongest group is the wide receiver group, and he's going to need to lean on them while they're getting quarterback settled, while the line's going through some things, um, while that push you know affects the run game. So the receiver group they're going to need to lean on, um, and so the, the line's going to need to be there to to give enough time to pass. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean in the run game also, I mean they were competent and. and one thing that should not be missed is is literally as as much as he churned his legs and and got the uh, kept the play going and got into the end zone. Uh, Chris Warren, that is, it was the the offensive line who gave him that push uh, and literally won that game um, after we'd gotten stalled out on the goal line. So I mean, I love these stories. I love when we sit here for weeks at a time and say. This is glaring. Why aren't we fixing this? What is this? And then I love when we get to say, "Kudos, good job, way to go." Um, progression. It's wonderful to see. So, big, big tip of the hat to the O line and to the O line coach and, and to those guys for going through adversity and, and looking to at least be a serviceable unit in the Big Twelve this year. Absolutely, and Kerstetter looked suspect two weeks ago. So the fact that that he played so well on on Saturday was was a testament to again, like you said, his progression and, and Ellinger. Yeah, we talked. You talked about him already, but I've got to jump back. This offense looks completely different with Ellinger, air quotes, under center uh, than it does with Bouchelle, simply because of the style of offense that Tim Beck is going to call. Um, you know, the kid had twenty carries. Bouchelle's not yeah. going to hold up for twenty carries, and that's why he's banged up. Um, Ellinger is a is a runner. He is a dual threat quarterback. He was recruited as a dual threat quarterback. Bouchelle is your typical pocket guy, and I say typical pocket guy, even though he's kind of short for that type of quarterback. But you know, Ellinger's got the wheels. He showed a lot of toughness. He showed a lot of grit. There were a couple of times where my whole body clinched up because yeah. he wasn't sliding when he probably should have, uh, and I was screaming at the TV. Even though I, you know my sister got married on Saturday, so I DVR'd the game. Uh, I was screaming at the TV slide you idiot slide like I don't you can't get hurt like we, you know with with Boosh banged up we, we really can't afford to call Hurd up he's a he could he could play the position but um, I don't know if it's the the yeah. way you win that game or other games in the Big 12 uh, you you hit on you hit on the offensive line they played phenomenally they really opened up a lot of holes uh, Reggie Hempel maps look like a monster on slant routes like that, that kid running slants, a true freshman, 6'1", 185, catching the ball in traffic, willing to go up for it, willing to take the big hit over the middle. He looks like he is a monster. You know, Colin Johnson put in okay number, seven catches, 92 yards. He should have had over 100, but he had let a smaller defensive back outbody him like twice, which was, which was a little frustrating for me as somebody who is a huge Colin Johnson fan. I think that guy has the body and the physical attributes to be an all-world kind of receiver he just let a smaller guy beat him and and you can't let that happen if you're going to be an elite guy you know the other thing that we have to talk about with this uh, offense is the red zone like it the red zone trips were frustrating to say the least we'll call it frustrating I think is uh is the best way to go so they took they took six trips to the red zone in regulation turnover on downs two touchdowns which is good a field goal after they couldn't punch it in three times from the one, 
a missed field goal after they couldn't punch it in three times from the one, and a field goal after they couldn't punch it in three times from from the one. Like it was three straight possessions of like five yards or less settling for field goal attempts, and you miss one of them. Like, what is it going to take to get? You know, you said the offensive line got some push, but it seems like as soon as they hit the you know the twenty yards or fewer area, uh, that push went away. Or if it was the play calling, Kyle, what? What what can they fix to to really right that ship? Because they're going to need some of that uh, moving forward through Big Twelve play. Yeah, this I mean, this was the glaring thing that stood out. I mean, obviously from from the beginning of the game, uh, I knew you were at the wedding, but I texted you uh, knowing you would see it. We need to talk about this. This is the um, the biggest takeaway, of course. Uh, getting to overtime and and playing well in overtime that that leaves you with a good feeling, but it shouldn't be sugarcoated that uh, the red zone. Offense was atrocious. I mean, we said last week that against the Bill Snyder team, it was going to be vital. That was one of our keys to the game. Texas came in with 16 trips, um, only 10 touchdowns, and one field goal, which was 120th in the country at 68%. That's not getting any better this week. That may even actually go down. Um, I mean, their defense continues to be good. They're they're a top 10 red zone defense in the country, so the disparity is incredible. Um I don't know if it's if it's entirely the, the play calling. There was times when uh, the line didn't get the push they needed. The back hesitated a little. There there were times um, that you, you didn't love, you know, the play calling. Uh, there were times, you know, we've said before we have a preference in our, our running back hierarchy and, and good for Kyle Porter for, for getting in there, you know, and making um, something out of his opportunities. But he also got stopped multiple times. Um, and so – you saw Chris Warren get stopped as well, but then drive and literally win the game because he's a, you know, a piston in an engine that doesn't stop running until you, you know, literally put him into the ground. Um, so uh, there's a lot of a lot of things, and and I think that that Tom Herman can focus this week in practice on on whatever aspect he he likes. But if he's not spending at least half of of his offensive time um, working on this, figuring this out, then then I don't know what he's doing. Um, uh, this is just a mentality shift. This is a this is a a entire team buying in and saying the will, the grit. When we get down and we're inside the ten, we will get points. Um, obviously, the field goal part of it is rough, and the, the special teams uh, play um, in general. But but our, our our field goal unit is not good enough. Um, he he makes a couple of those kicks. We don't have to we don't have to you know have the heart attack that that we have watching this game, but, uh, you know, the, I'm less concerned with that. I would like that. Obviously we, we lived through a Justin Tucker era where, you know, automatic was, was a nice thing that you could, you could count on. Um, and don't forget we had Hunter Lawrence and guys like before that, that were very, very good kickers. Um, if this isn't the answer, let's go ahead and get someone in here next year who can, but, um, I'm less concerned with that and more concerned with, uh, Texas having you know giant backs and a, and, a, and a tough quarterback and now the actual um, option to run a zone read if you're going to have Ellinger in there um, and, and give the, the defense something to think about um, why we can't convert on on more than you know 60 percent of our trips down there I think that has to literally be priority number one for the Longhorn team this week heading into the big game uh, against OU. You mentioned play calling, and that was probably my most frustrating thing. Because you know, on a on a first and five, first and goal from the five, like I don't pass the ball until I have to. Like calling a pass play on first down, 
and then running on second down is not the way to go about it. And again, I'm old school. I come from a very old school style of football. There's not a fullback to be found on this squad. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've got you've got to have some hard nosed football, like you said. It's a mentality thing. You've got to put your head down and say, "I've got to I've got to push you two yards. I've got to push you three yards." You know, when it's when it's you know second and second and goal from the one, you literally need to push somebody three and a half feet. If you push a defender three and a half feet, you yeah. score. So it's a mentality thing. You've got to say, I am meaner, I am nastier than the guy on the other side of the ball. And like you said, they showed that in overtime. They showed that, hey, we are going to, we are willing to push our backs to success, which is great. But but we need that mentality throughout the game because when push comes to shove, you're not going to be able to score every play from 20, or every scoring play is not going to be from 20 yards out. So you have to find a way to score from, from within those uh, from within that that red zone area, but but one of the things that I do want to jump back to the good is is the defense. We mentioned the defense off top, and the defense played lights out in spite of giving up thirty four points. You know, you know, one of those scores was in overtime, so uh, we reduced that down. But the defense looked really, really good. Like they looked yet again like a group of world beaters. They held Iowa State to, to two of eleven on third downs, which is phenomenal they they limited Iowa, uh, Kansas State excuse me run game uh, which is supposed to be their bread and butter held with 3.6 yards per attempt eight tackles for a loss against a group that had given up four going into the game three sacks against a group that had given up I believe it was two going into the game uh, so Kyle what what was the key what or who really were the keys to the success of of this this Texas defense um, I think overall this was a success. I think there was still some things that you can you can point to and say you have room for improvement, which if you're a coach, you love that, right? You get a win. Your defense, you know, looks like a top 15 unit. Um, and honestly, the, the biggest challenge that we'd seen was against a, a dual threat quarterback or an option uh, quarterback uh, run offense uh, against Maryland. Um, and, and so we had some concerns about that coming in and, uh, they looked pretty good. They looked, they looked very good. I think, um, there were a couple stretches and, and, and when, uh, they made the switch and brought in their, their kind of backup quarterback who was, you know, a downhill runner. Um, it looked like maybe, uh, you know, they'd invited coach Bedford back for a, uh, for a couple series or a quarter, just, uh, you know, out of respect for the man. I love coach, but one of my favorite, um, people and pressers to to cover in in the world but uh you know he had his his issues with that exact uh that exact qualm but uh i, I mean i just don't know i, I don't know we got to be a little more consistent because kansas state is not going to be the best defense or excuse me offense that we play in the big 12 but all in all um i mean deshaun elliott looked great again the guys you know he's on pace for an all-american season I, I i'm not afraid to say it um he's looked that good he uh he had the you know the interception was a late game interception i would have loved to get that that win in regulation but i mean a big play a big time he had a sack uh he had some crucial tackles malik looked good had a sack early on to snuff out a drive um you know i, I think i think all in all we played pretty good against a team that had the ball a lot um in that you know Bill Snyder gave us a couple different looks and Bill Snyder is going to save a little something for you. And Bill Snyder is going to bring it against Texas. He does it every single year. Um, and so we, you know, we all came in expecting the worst and, and ultimately um, they look pretty good. The, the one thing that, you know, I think that the, the shining light all season and continuing to show is, is even if they bend a little, they're not breaking. Uh, we talked about the good red zone defense, but you know, holding, uh, holding them to two for 11 on third down is huge. That is, that is, 
you know, going to win you football games. That's going to take you from losing, you know, last year in the Charlie Strong era and some of the end of the Mac Brown uh, years. That's going to take you from losing by a touchdown and a heartbreaker and, and, you know, a frustrating loss to squeaking by and getting those seven point wins. You know, that's that's huge. The, the getting them off the field, getting the ball back into your hands. That's what allows, you know, your quarterback Ellinger to have uh, to have 70 touches, you know, himself only accounted for. Uh, 70 touches that's what allows that to happen that's what allows texas to have a top 10 uh time of possession in 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 the country is is a defense that's getting off the field when it comes to third down they say all right that's it that's enough we're stopping you no matter what if it's a you know a, a form tackle at the half yard from the from the first down we're going to do that if we have to break up passes we have to you know be swarming whatever but they're doing that um getting in the backfield the tackles for loss uh that that's the type of stuff to me that is going to have to carry on i think continuing to be efficient continuing to be come up on big downs making big plays continuing to be opportunistic we're now below one defensive touchdown a game which you know that's okay that's more uh back to reality only one interception um but truly um i'll I'll take it and and if we can you know keep those things in big 12 maybe get a couple of the the defensive touchdowns and a couple of the takeaways uh, especially on teams that are going to be passing the ball more um i feel good about that i feel good for the first time in a couple years about our defense heading into you know the really potent big 12 offenses uh ou coming up oklahoma state uh your baylor's uh, tcu scares me just because they can kill you you know 100 different ways um but i mean i feel good about where our defense is at and putting us in in games to to win games yeah and and you mentioned making those gutty plays on on third down and i i cannot let this podcast go by without mentioning on a third and one from across the field watching malik jefferson close basically three quarters of the field to tackle a quarterback before he gets one yard is one of the most impressive plays i've seen from him and i said that last week about the sack on on um on Iowa State's quarterback, you know, this this guy, he still has some of those mental mistakes. He still runs straight into blocks occasionally, but there's something that has shifted in him, and he has got this downhill predator, for yeah. lack of a better term, mentality. And, and I think the the rest of the defense, I think he's he is turning into a more emotional leader, which is something that I think this defense needs, uh, and they feed off that. You know, you've got a guy like Puna Ford who, again, I said it last week, doesn't show up a ton on the stat sheet, but he is key to freeing up the linebackers like Malik to look really good, and so I think if they can continue that play, you know, OU is a team that doesn't give up a ton of sacks. They're a team that doesn't give up a ton of turnovers. I think, you know, the difference in this game can be, you know, one key turnover and one key key possession either way can can really can really spin this game out and I think it starts and ends with that front seven even though OU is going to spread the ball all over the stinking field I think if you win at the point of attack if you can if you can make you know five guys feel like 50 to an offense you win the game if you can make your you know your three down linemen and two linebackers feel like 50 men out there which this team has really excelled in and Todd Orlando has has been calling a heck of a scheme for these last few weeks you can really really confuse an offense and shut down an offense that that runs off of timing and runs off of big offensive plays which which brings us to this week Kyle you mentioned it off the top of the show you know it is it is now 
approximately 9.42 p.m. Central Standard Time, and, and OU still sucks. And so let's just dive in and, and talk about it. So the Sooners are, are coming off of a kind of a shocking upset of, of Iowa State. Uh, you know, they're 4-1. and one. Baker Mayfield continues to, to write checks that the rest of his team is being forced to, to try to cash, and they came up they came up lacking. You know, Iowa State's walk-on non-scholarship quarterback went for 343 and three touchdowns. Um, you know, their middle linebacker quarterback, which not, the, the middle linebacker that used to play quarterback, not the middle linebacker that is actively playing quarterback, uh, went in as their Wildcat quarterback uh, and, and carved him up just a little bit. So Kyle, OU's favored by double digits. Texas is seemingly on the upswing, but it's still down by Texas standards. What's it going to take to get to get a win here? And, and what, what are the keys to victory for, for either team? Well, let's go ahead and say first that OU was favored by 31 against Iowa State, and we saw how that turned out. Um, so uh, Vegas is smart, but they uh, they don't know everything. So I'm not worried about that. Um, I am worried about Baker Mayfield. The guy is, is VV good. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I, I want to take a moment just to really revel in the fact that immediately after – Texas went to Ames. Weird things happen on a weeknight in Ames under the lights and took care of business and shut down their offense so so terribly that their quarterback uh, was was nowhere to be found with the team. And they brought on uh, a walk-on who had thrown like two career passes before this game and absolutely carved them up. Not just, not just a little bit, but a guy who had like nine career yards heading into the game, had 343 yards and three touchdowns. Um, and, you know, in some, some 1940s, uh, you know, service academy stuff. Uh, their middle linebacker, quarterback, middle linebacker, um, who you know, uh, Joel Lanning is a good name, but his name should be like Burt Berskowski or something. Uh, if he's playing like that, came in and and moved the ball against. Like it was just, it was, it put me into such a good mood during the day. Uh, I will admit, I actually was at the state fair a week early, kind of testing out all the best fried foods. I might give a little, little preview at the end of this podcast. Um, last weekend, I was up there for a wedding and, and caught a little of the, the uh, Grambling Prairie View game in the Cotton Bowl. Just kind of, you know, a little preview before the Cotton Bowl this week. But, um, but yeah, uh, it gave me such joy. I walked around the fairgrounds just beaming with my smile, and then obviously Texas winning it turned around even better. But, uh, but yeah, I think if, if UT is going to come in, that, that they're going to have to – they're going to have to score points because, you know, what you would say is they need to shut down this this offense, but I don't know that you ever shut down a Baker Mayfield offense. Even Iowa State limiting them to, to 30, I believe, 31 points um, was pretty good. But, I mean, that's that's about as low as that, that guy's going to go. Um, he is one of the, you know, premier, certainly right now, but, I mean, in the last 10 years, he's statistically one of the best quarterbacks. Um it's really hard to argue about that. So, I mean, I don't know if you're going to just slow that team down enough, you know, grind it out to a 24-17 win. I think that's a pipe dream. I think what has to happen is Texas has to put points on the board. And you saw a uh, a Mike Stoops defense that tries to give you different looks, tries to come out and, you know, take something away. And maybe they didn't have that against Iowa State because, they, you know, they're such an, such an underdog they didn't really know where to attack them at and with a different quarterback and all that. Um, but you saw some, you saw some glaring holes in that defense. You saw some things that uh, they're going to have to be working on just the same that we are this week. And if they don't get those figured out, then then it's a good opportunity for this Texas offense. And it's an opportunity for the Texas kids who, who uh, have been almost there to come through in China. I mean, I'm, I'm talking a big game from Chris Warren uh, to Neil Carter, having, having, you know, at least one home run play, uh, 
Johnson getting, you know, getting his hands on balls up high and beating their secondary, uh, our bevy of receiving core coming through and, you know, really getting their hands on everything and pulling it in, running good routes. You know, we're going to, we're going to live. I don't hate it. We're going to live on a Colt McCoy kind of, uh, kind of eight yards, uh, you know, stomach, uh, punches offense. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with, uh, not the haymaker offense that got us however many wins last year. Uh, I'm okay with going back to something that's been historically successful at the university of Texas and with a kid who, who looks to have the grit to pull that off. Um, so I'm cool with that. I, I, however we got to do it. I'm great, but let's just do it. I think points have to get on the board. And I think that goes back to what we talked about to getting to the red zone and capitalizing in the red zone, getting touchdowns um, and, and putting pressure on the OU defense, which will put pressure on Baker Mayfield. The guy doesn't throw interceptions, but Hey, maybe if he's pressured, maybe if he's uh, triggered because you know, he, uh, the Westlake rivalry you saw in the news and we don't have to get into that. But uh, you know, the, the, the guy is, is, an incredible quarterback, but he's shown to be a little bit volatile off the field. And so if you get in his head a little bit, uh, the big rivalry game, he's not particularly successful against the Texas Longhorns. If he wants to talk about records, Baker Mayfield is a paltry uh, one and two um, against, uh, against, or excuse me, playing in, in the state of Texas. So, uh, so yeah, I, uh, I like our chances. I'm not coming in feeling confident, but I don't think that spread is accurate. I think this is a 50, 50 game. The spread open double digits. It's down to seven and a half, which I think is a little bit more accurate on where this game game heads. But you're, you're absolutely right. You know, we said it in our Big Twelve preview show. The Big Twelve is a a conference of one stop. If you can get one defensive stop and score off of that defensive stop, that's all you need because because you're gonna trade you're gonna trade those offensive uh, possessions. So you you have to get one stop, and it doesn't have to be an interception. Like you said, Baker Mayfield has literally not thrown an interception in his last 134 attempts. He has 134 attempts this season and zero interceptions. It is it is those are mad numbers if I've ever seen them. Uh, so you you really got to find a way. You don't have to you don't have to pick the ball off. You know, if you can get your hands on it, then by God, you bring it in. But I think it was it was nuts, you know, that you you put us in the the show notes. But there's that stat where he could throw like twenty or thirty consecutive pick sixes and still have the highest quarterback rating in the country, which is just absolutely just astronomical. But you mentioned the 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 defense. I think this this defense provides an opportunity for Texas to to really put up some points because. Mike Stoops is the least popular man in the state. I will tell you that right now. As someone who's living in Oklahoma, Mike Stoops is one of the least popular people in the state because that defense just hasn't found a way to get it done. You know, they're giving up uh, 232 passing yards per game and 123 rushing yards per game. So they're giving up, you know, nearly 400 yards a game offensively, which is which is not a great way to live your life. And so I think if Texas can find a way to capitalize, I think. You know, it sounds crazy for Texas to start another freshman quarterback in in a third straight Red River rivalry, but I think it has to it has to happen. I I'm a firm believer in, and this is no knock on Shane Bouchelle. He's just not the quarterback that's going to um, going to win this game. It, he's not the quarterback that's going to run this offense, and I think that's been clearly shown. The offense seems to hum uh, when you've got a guy who can who can roll out and who can move the pocket and who can who can handle rushing for 20, 20 attempts per game. That's the way to go. You know, surprisingly, one of the things that we talked about, even though OU doesn't throw picks, they're actually worse in the turnover margin than Texas. They give up a ton 
of fumbles. You know, they are a minus one on the turnover margin. They don't take the ball away a ton compared to, you know, they they barely give it away. So somehow Texas is, is better in the turnover margin. So I think if you can come up with a couple of fumble recoveries, they've got young running backs. You know, they've got they, – they, they don't really have a, a highlighted running back. This is a passing offense. So if that offense does give the ball to a running back – You've got to you've got to take the ball out of their hands. You've got to find a way to to really come up with a fumble. I think uh, this is a this is a very winnable game. Surprisingly, if you had asked me that three weeks ago, I'd have laughed in your face. Uh, but I think with the with the way Texas has played the last you know three weeks, three games, and I think the way um, OU matches up with them, I definitely think that this is a way um, this is a way more winnable game than I would have told you would have believed at the beginning of the season. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And and one thing is, is the Red River rivalry is just a weird one. I mean, it, historically, it's always goofy. Uh, there are no favorites in this game. There are no, this team's really good, this team's really bad. Um, and usually it turns out the opposite way. You know, it's like uh, there's so much hate for Texas's one true rival um, that, uh, and, and OU feels it uh, towards us, um, that, you know, records don't matter. Stats don't matter. You come into this game to destroy the other team to to mess up their season um and that can save a bad season that can save a coach's job you can give him an extra year um i think charlie winning uh definitely helped his cause for a little while there um but this year we have two freshman coaches we have for the first time since 1947 you have two guys who've never coached as the head coach in this environment now lincoln riley's been there a lot and herman's even been there himself uh, in a lesser capacity, but um, this is this is all the all the the pressure, all the lights, all the eyes on them. Um, so we'll see how they how they respond. There's no room for mistakes from the players and certainly from the coaching staff because I think this is uh, going to be a pretty close game. You know, just on paper in general, but you know this is the this is the game. This is the big rivalry. Um, so I, I think you know throw all the stats, throw everything out the window, and you see what happens. Um, one thing, like you said, their their offense is very good. They're first in the nation at 587 yards. Um, if Texas can can, the only way I've seen to even fluster Mayfield is to put him on his back, is to you know to get him get get that jersey a little bit dirty. Um, he's kind of a diva, you know. You've seen that off the field, but he doesn't like he gets a little frustrated, a little whiny when his jersey gets dirty. So I'd like the first drive just come out there and just put him on his back, let him get a little bit of that good Texas soil in his face mask. Remember where he came from. Um, and just kind of let him know that that's the type of game he's in for um, and uh, and put some pressure on him hard. Rely on your secondary. You know, they're going to have to step up and be the guys you recruited to, to maybe have some one-on-one coverage because you need to get after him. He's incredible at extending the play with his feet. I mean, he's, he's a cat back there. He's really hard to get. Um, but you hit him hard enough and you get big enough guys and enough of them around him, you can you can bring him down and really mess with his day. But, uh, but yeah, I'm excited for this one. I'm I'm. I'm pumped up and I'm as excited as I've been for one of these games in, in a few years for sure. Absolutely. So Kyle, that brings us to our last segment of the day, bang the drum. So what are you banging the drum on this week in our OU hate week? Well, um, I, I think one thing to, uh, to point out, and it's kind of what we've talked about a little bit, but, uh, I saw this the other day. I was, I was watching something on the Longhorn network and I, I saw, you know, in the, in the big, uh, athletic conference room on the wall. You know, Charlie had his uh, kind of core discipline rules, which I love, but I saw Tom Herman's four uh, uh, points on the wall that, that were his plan to win uh, that, that that Herman had up there for the players. And uh, it's kind of funny. Um, they were play great defense, which the Texas uh, defense is doing. That team, uh, that side of the ball is looking 
surefire. We've talked about that um, extensively already. The next is win the turnover battle. Uh, we talked about that last week that Texas couldn't turn the ball over and still win. They were at a zero coming in. I, I believe they're at a zero coming out. Um, but they are better than OU, so that's good. So if they can get some of those fumbles that uh, that OU has had and they can protect it on their side of the ball, I mean, besides the uh, the first throw of the game that, that uh, Ellinger, you know, underthrew, uh, they took care of the ball and they put themselves in position to win. So I think that one uh, is in play. Um, the last two, and I'll go out of order here, but the, the, the final one is win the, win the special teams game. And, uh, and I think that's a big area for improvement that, that Texas uh, in the kicking game and the kickoff coverage, uh, Kansas State scared me a couple times. They have a great returner, but scared me a couple times. Um, we've had some fielding kickoffs inside the five or punts inside the, the three, you know, that, that just weren't, uh, didn't seem like smart play. So getting that and, and making that an area for, I like that he's prioritizing that, making that an area if all else is even to win a game with. You know, I would love that. And then the third one, which I will end with here, is score and prevent touchdowns in the red zone. Um, that is the number one point for me about this Texas team that they are failing to do. And I think if they can do that, if they can take care of that, if they can start making that a priority, if they can flip some switch, if they can come out and do that, then you all of a sudden see a Texas team instead of struggling and thinking about how we're going to get to uh, bowl eligibility that's talking about an eight win team you know that the talent is there the play is there they just need to finish some of these games finish or finish some of these drives uh, and and truly finish these games and, and get to the, the victories that uh, that they should be getting so uh, for me Tom Herman has it all with his four four uh, points of plan to win and I uh, I hope we come out in this game and see all four of them yeah I think play great defense if you had told me coming into the year that that would be a key to Texas's success, I'd have been, I'd have been ecstatic. I think the the bang the drum for me has got to be the critical downs on defense. You can play great defense on first and second down, but but third down is where you have to make your money. And I think if Texas can turn in another top flight performance on third downs, I think Texas wins this game. You know they are ninth in the nation on third down conversion defense with. 25%. That's that's the offensive success rate. They have shut down 75% of opponents' third down attempts. So if they can get off of the field, if they can put OU in those third and medium and third and long plays, and then you pin your ears back as a pass rusher, and you fluster Mayfield, who is who is a phenom at extending plays with his feet. You keep contained, which is something that they've shown the ability to do, again, all year outside of Maryland. You keep contained, you flush Mayfield out of the pocket, and you let your, your phenomenal secondary uh, shut down those receivers. There were three or four, probably even five coverage sacks this last Saturday. So I think if Texas can continue to... To dominate the point of attack on those on those third downs to again I said it before make five rushers feel like fifty and and you're going to come out with a positive result on Saturday and I I like that you said that earlier and I meant to give you credit for that 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 uh, make five feel like fifty is a great great stat when you're swarming man that's 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 a hard team to beat I wanted to jump back in and I won't I won't make this a habit but I have a second drum to bang just because you know this podcast we we try to go and do the advanced scouting we try to um, you know watch the tape get in there and and really give give the people what they want. And uh, I know this week a lot of you would be traveling uh, to the Texas State Fair. So like I said, I went up last week, did a little advanced scouting. So I'm going to give you uh, my top items uh, to eat at the State Fair um, real quick. Um, the, uh, the very, very, very good and, and slightly underrated 
Um, number two is the fried arroz con pollo. Um, it is, uh, oh yeah, I see your eyes. Yeah. Yeah. It's as good as, is that reaction was it's, uh, utterly delicious. Um, I think I said two, that's actually my number three, if you can believe it. Uh, the number two is, uh, the actual winner of the taste test. And I'm going to put it at second. It's a funnel cake, bacon, queso burger, um, which was every bit of caloric, uh, deliciousness that you would imagine you should definitely split that with a group of people because like I felt like my arteries were, were five uh playing like 50 I mean they were they were trying to open up and and and, and keep from closing up after that thing it was uh it was a heart attack waiting to happen so definitely split that um and then the number one for me was the tamale donut and it's a uh, a donut shaped masa stuffed with um you know all the delicious uh, tamale believe pork filling um and they put this green sauce over it oh my goodness guys if you get nothing out of this trip to dallas other than those three items then you are a winner um so so please don't sleep on those and and make sure you you find those around the fairgrounds and obviously cap it all off with the fletcher's corny dog you get you can't beat the classic you've got to get fletcher's while you're down there I'm, i'm old school but those all sound absolutely phenomenal So thank you so much for listening in again this week. Again, if you like what we do, it would mean a ton if you would leave us a rating or a review on iTunes, share it with a friend, share it with a coworker, wherever you find this podcast. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter, and you can find the weekly uh, Texas pregamer over at Barking Carnival. Awesome. You can find me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodridge. You can find the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Please send us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. And again, you can find all of your best Texas Longhorns news, sports, and opinions over at BurntOrangeNation.com. Thank you so much for listening again this week. And until next time, it's 10 o'clock. I know you still sucks. Mm-hmm.